You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Charlie Begg. And I'm Laura Brodnick. Laura, did we have fun last night? That is like obviously my favourite musical of all time. And I don't say that lightly because, you know, I only listen to musicals. Mm-hmm. But Wicked is just so freaking magical. The songs, the production, the costumes. I was like tearing up last night in multiple parts. Like it's just had, so good. I had goosebumps constantly. Like yeah. I will listen to <laughs> the original Broadway track. The oh, Glee had... covers of oh, the songs. Oh, no, the oh, Glee covers. Yeah. I do too. It's funny. <laughs> so embarrassing. Oh, I heard someone singing it yesterday in the office and I was like, oh, my God. And then we were there and I was just, just... singing it the whole time. I had goosebumps and I don't get tired of it. I love the show so much. I've seen it about like four or five times now. Yeah, I think last night was maybe nine or eight for me. I oh, know. It's wow. been in Australia a lot and it I've has. also seen it overseas, but you can't see Wicked too many times. And I know a lot of people talk up Defying Gravity, which is obviously the greatest song of all time. I don't even care yes. if that's a basic bitch thing to say. Um, do you want to fun fact about that? What's fun I was fact? in choir in school yeah. and I thought I could sing. Anyway, I went up to my singing teacher and I was like, I want to do Defying Gravity. And she's like, no. <laughs> she was like, it's a really hard song and I just it's don't like think you'll be able to do it. Song. And then I realised that I can't sing it all. So why the hell would I be wanting I mean, to sing like the hardest song ever? What she really shut me down and now I'm like, yeah, fair. I mean, I would have loved to see you sing Defying Gravity. It's fine. I sing it in my car all the time. But there's so many good songs from, like, popular. I'm Not That Girl. Oh, my God, Dancing Through Life. Yeah. Rob Mills came on the pot, who obviously was the original Pharaoh, if anyone's across that. I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I didn't care for Rob Mills before that. He came on the pod, like, two years ago. And we were saying how much I love Wicked. And so he sung Dancing Through Life. And I started crying. And not even, like, just one chic little tear down my face, like full on crying, like cheeks yeah. red and like snotty nose, all that kind of stuff. And he was like, are you okay? And to make things worse, I was recording from home, so I was under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just looking at this white blob under a white doona sobbing and he has not returned to our podcast since. Oh, <laughs> Love God. him though. Oh, I love him. I'd probably be posing that instant. <laughs> oh, let's move on from Wicked. We could talk about it for hours, but I know it's not everyone's favourite thing. It's Just ours. our favourite thing. Just our favourite thing. The main thing going on in pop culture this week is celebrity splitting up and we have to keep talking about it because that's what's going on. Emrata has come out saying why she thinks it's a good thing to be divorced in your early 30s and then Miley Cyrus has come out about the moment she realised she had to get a divorce from Liam Hemsworth. And we've got to talk about our Weekend Watch picks for this week. So let's get into it. At the moment, every morning I wake up, I'm like, okay, which celebrity is divorcing today? Because it truly is happening every other day. But Emrata has actually come out with a really interesting take and said that specifically with young celebrity couples getting divorced, she thinks it's a good thing. So Emily Ratajkowski, if you don't remember, she was married to producer Sebastian Bear McLaird in 2018 and they separated in 2022. They had a baby a little while later called Sylvester. But they split after there were rumours that her husband is a serial cheater. Which she's pretty much confirmed multiple times on socials and podcasts and stuff. So we know that to be true. So now with this new TikTok, she said 
there's that narrative of if you get married young and divorced young, that it's like you just couldn't make it work. And how sad is that you probably never should have got married to begin with. But she's saying, no, you've still got time. You still look good. You have so much more life to live. It's better you got out when you did. There is nothing better than being in your 30s, still being hot, maybe having a little bit of your own money, figuring out what you want to do with your life and having tried that married fantasy and realizing that it's maybe not all it's cracked up to be. And then you've got your whole life still ahead of you. So for all of those people who are stressed about that, about being divorced, like it's good. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's weird because I know that people are being conflicted over this statement and I'm a little conflicted over it myself because I think what she's actually saying is super helpful because there Mm. is such a stigma around being particularly a woman, a divorced woman in your 20s or 30s. This idea that you're like damaged, that you're tarnished, obviously that's a load of shit, but like there is that mentality that like how could you be divorced at such a young age? And what's wrong with you and what's happened to you to put you in this position? It's something that's meant to be associated with a different stage of your life, which is obviously very damaging. So I feel like her talking about it and saying it's chic and everything is actually very helpful and Mm. a very different way to talk about divorce that we don't see in the public eye. I hate how she equated it to how you look. That's what annoyed me. This is always my issue with Emrata. Good ideas, bad, bad execution. Like you just didn't need to mention that part because then it's like, well, we're not you. It's not even her saying it. It's anyone saying like, it's okay to get divorced at 30 because you still look good. And I don't think that's what anyone's really worrying about saying like, oh, if I get divorced at 28 or 32, do I still have my looks? Do I have enough time to catch a man again? It's really equating it to this idea that you've got this small window of time to find a partner based on your looks. And then when you get into your late 30s, mm. your looks go. And, and then, then you, you won't find then a partner. you have no chance of finding a partner. Yeah. But I think also what she's kind of saying is something you should lean into is quite helpful. But I also think what she's saying here is super interesting and also not something that we usually see in the public eye. I think we need to talk about it more and especially like not that long ago, people are still getting married young. And do you know how many unhappy marriages there probably were? Because they thought, oh my God, I can't be 28 and divorced. What would people think of me? What would people say about me? Men wouldn't touch me. I'm like, I'm branded or whatever. I think it's so good she's saying this kind of thing because we're definitely noticing that we're in a year where people are splitting up. So it's going to happen more and more. So to make women feel not so bad about it or not so alone, I think it's a great thing. It's especially a good conversation to have alongside this idea of like circling back around to very young marriage, which is something we've seen a lot in the pop culture world with the marriages we've been fixating on. Mm-hmm. So like with Sophia Ritchie, I mean, she's in her early 20s. Again, it's like she's a child bride or anything like that. But statistically, that is, you it's know. still young. She got married at 24. Yeah, so. which is kind of younger than like for a while there, especially in pop culture, it was like 30s, mid 30s yeah. was when a lot of people were getting married. We're also seeing like a lot of big marriages for celebrities happen in their 40s and stuff. So that was a really refreshing conversation. But now it's like we've spiraled back to younger celebrities, not only getting married, but also making that their brand. I think of like of all the articles around this week of Millie Bobby Brown. I was about to say, uh, she's 19. Yeah. No judgment, a little bit of judgment. But (laughs) yeah, it's really young, but people really are leaning into it. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the fact that you can also go, okay, I did lean into it, didn't work. And that's not the end of the world. Because statistically what we know from all these young marriages in the public eye is that some of them are going to end a divorce. And if yeah. you're getting married in your very early 20s, there's a good chance you could be divorced in your 30s. And so it's good to be having those conversations around it's not damaged goods. And whether people want to believe it or not, like we are very affected by the conversations around celebrities and people do really take 
what they think about the world from the people who are in the public eye. So it's kind of inescapable that what celebrities do about divorce and marriage is how we think about it as well. Yeah. On that, Miley Cyrus is another celebrity who got married young and divorced young. And on the same day that Emma came out talking about her experience with that, Miley touched on her divorce from Liam Hemsworth. So we'll get into that after the break. So in her new TikTok series, Miley Cyrus has been sharing all of these behind-the-scenes stories and different moments from her life in a series called Used To Be Young. This is a series inspired by my new song, Used To Be Young, where I am going to start at the beginning of my life in 1992 until now in 2023, and we're going to go through the last 30 years. In a recent episode of her TikTok series, she talked about what was the catalyst for ending her marriage to Liam Hemsworth. Glastonbury was in June, which was when the decision had been made that me and Liam's commitment to being married just really came from, of course, a place of love first, because we've been together for 10 years, but also from a place of trauma and just trying to rebuild as quickly as we could. The day of the show was the day that I had decided that it was no longer going to work in my life to be in that in that relationship. So that was another moment where the work, the performance, the character came first. And I guess that's why it's now so important to me that the human comes first. I guess why people have picked up on this is that idea that she just decided that she wasn't putting her life into that marriage anymore. They'd been together since they were kids. Like she's only just 30 now mm. and they've been divorced for a while now. So having this big love of your life in your 20s, getting divorced, this idea that having this big career high was the catalyst for her knowing that that marriage was over. I think it's so fascinating. So me, myself, I've just come out of like a seven-year relationship and I'm in my mid-20s and I met him when I was in my teens and everything she's saying, like you kind of just know when it's just, you've just grown apart and there's no bad blood or anything, but I really respect the fact that she could say, there was love there, but that was the moment that I knew yeah. it was over. What you're saying is this idea that we're always looking for this big dramatic end to a relationship mm. and we never want to accept that you could just have that realisation. And also she didn't have to say anything, but she also spoke about Liam Pryor and how they yeah. like met in the casting and how he was one of the final four they to be fell cast. in love in that movie, The yeah. Last Song, is it? Yeah. I think one of the elements that made that movie feel so special was it was watching two very young people fall in love with each other which was happening in real time and in real life. So the chemistry was undeniable. And that was the beginning of a long 10-year relationship. Although at times we thought that there might be like a bitter end and maybe there was at certain times, but the way she talks about him so lovingly even now, I think you can really respect that and go, I've had relationships like that or I've had friends that have had that and good on you for just focusing on the good and knowing that you've got to move on. I think this is such a more interesting conversation than the other one that we usually attach to celebrity divorces, which is they did it for publicity or, you know, they just did this for sort of headlines or control the narrative, which makes me think that people don't really understand how these news cycle things work. Like you might do a red carpet with someone for publicity or you'll take crazy photos. That definitely happens. But this idea that celebrities would have these long-term relationships, have these big opulent weddings, share them just so they can get publicity from that and publicity when the marriage breaks down, I think is just something that doesn't really happen because you've got to think these people have teams around them and they've lived in the public eye their whole life. Why would you want to have a whole media storm surrounding you that's about the breakdown of your marriage that paints you as a bad person? 
Oh, absolutely. And also the marriage itself. Miley Cyrus, one of the biggest pops in the whole world. Emrata, one of the most recognizable yeah. faces on modeling campaigns. She got married at a courthouse in New York wearing a I mean, those Zara. Those photos were incredible. They were, but like, it was They looked so, so chic. They were such a pop culture moment. It was a pop culture But I know moment. what you mean. I don't think she did that but for was, the publicity. I think she did it for them. And then same with Miley. They got married in their home surrounded by very few people. Anyone that says that these celebrities, oh, they just got married because they didn't really understand the sanctity of marriage and how important that is, I call bullshit. Yeah. I think they absolutely did. I don't mean to sound like a buzzkill, but I think sometimes the idea of marriage does sound like something they want to do more so than other couples because they don't have the barriers. They've been like living as adults for so long and working and stuff that I think marriage doesn't seem like a huge thing to like your average person who's still like living with their family or going to college or going to uni or that sort of stuff. But it's like this a big attainable dream that you can have as soon as you want it. And so I think that's why a lot of younger celebrities might tend to get married. So I think at the end of the day, like with Emrata and Miley Cyrus and any other woman who's in the public eye talking about divorce at a young age, it's like the one thing you're not supposed to say, but it's kind of the one thing we need to hear. The Weekend Watch. Okay, LB, so we're breaking the rules today and I am recommending a slightly older TV show that everyone should watch this weekend. It's not that old. Look, I know that I was the one who made the rules and I'm usually a real stickler for them, but I decided to waive them for both of us this week because there's some good TV shows we hadn't mentioned and there's not a lot of good new stuff out this week. I'm just going to say it. And rules are meant to be broken. (laughs) (laughs) Over the weekend, I watched Idris Elba's seven-part series on Apple TV, Hijack. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. has commenced. I got a message from the plane. Dad says, incident on board. What exactly does your dad do for a living? It's difficult to explain. Sam's the best at handling it. Handling what? The negotiation. There are 200 people on this flight. Five passengers on that plane do not exist. I love Idris, so I feel like this is a miss for me, but I haven't seen it. You have to see it. It's fantastic. I think I watched it in two days. Basically, as you can guess, it's about a hijack. And what I really like is I read a review in the Sydney Morning Herald recently saying how we're going back to 80s thrillers because you know what you're going in for. It is a movie about a hijack. Idris Elba is one of the men on the plane and... Basically, it's a hijack from beginning to end in those seven episodes. There's no backstory. <laughs> there's no complicated. It's like a bottle series. It's all happens. Just, it's all contained. You know what you're going in for and you're getting it and it's brilliant. Okay, love that. Mine's slightly different, but it still has that kind of like you have to almost watch it in all episodes. So it's called Mayfair Witches. I've spent years building the life I thought I wanted, but there's something inside of me. Something that I can't explain. I don't understand anything that's happening to me. This power goes way back in your family. If you open your mind, you can be transformed. We're bound together. For the first time in my life, I know exactly who I am. It's based on an Anne Rice series. So obviously Anne Rice is like an amazing 
you're looking confused. I don't know I who know Anne Rice, Rice is. Why do I know that name? Interview the Vampire, the whole series. I mean, other books too, but other I books, I've read me. other books by her. You probably have. She's I'm Googling like, after. Best-selling author known for her like amazing supernatural books. And I finally found it to watch for free all eight episodes on ABC iView. So thank you, ABC. So basically it stars Alexander Daddario. She plays a doctor called Rowan Fielding. She's a neurosurgeon. She starts having these like weird visions and dreams and things. And she finds out that she's actually the heiress to this like line of witches, the Mayfair witches from New Orleans. And she gets pulled back into New Orleans and into this wild world of like demons and ghosts and spirits and witches trying to like trace back her family. If you love like a creepy gothic horror, it's so good. It's not scary. Well, I mean, I don't find it scary, but there's like a bit of bloodshed and stuff and a bit of creepiness. There's eight episodes and it just really pulls you into this like magical world, New Orleans and this like old school ghost witches, everything. You're not looking convinced. No, no, no. I was actually, I wasn't sure, but I was thinking about like, I was like a Twilight super fan in high school. Yeah, that's not the same as this. Oh, (laughs) but like vampires and witches, kind of similar vibe. So I think I could get around it. That kind of pulls into this, but just with a bit more evil demons and sex and and whatnot. So Mayfair Witches, it's on ABC Ivy. There's eight episodes. It's wicked. It's creepy. It's beautiful to look at. It's just such a good watch. Thanks for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Stronick. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye. Bye.